Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Hi there, uh, Chris here. Last week I preached on Thou Shalt Not Steal, and unfortunately it didn't record, so I thought I would re record it. So this is that recording that you're listening to now. I'm going to redo it as if you're hearing it live. So I will, you know, I will ask questions as if they're going out to a congregation. Uh, Yes, and you can just join me in pretending that this is the live version. Good morning, Life Church. We are looking today at Thou Shalt Not Steal. And uh, my first question to you all as a congregation is, what is being a Christian all about? What is what does it mean to be a Christian? What is it about? Uh, have we got any any ideas from the congregation? All about Jesus? That's always a good guess. Well done. All about drinking coffee? Yes, that's another good guess. You're all wrong though, because being a Christian is all about rules. It's all about following rules, right? It's all about don't do this, don't do that either. Don't definitely don't do that. Seriously, did you do that? Never do that. I'm right, yeah? That is what being a Christian is about. It's about following rules. And I can see some of you are laughing because, yes, I am being silly. Being a Christian is not all about rules. Being a Christian is all about grace. In fact, it's about grace and it's about grace in relationship. So it's about working out that grace that we get from God in relationship with with ourselves and and with others. And it's really important that I start by pointing that out because a lot of people carry around a lot of shame. And I want to make it very clear that at, at Life Church here in Warrington and in our congregation in Latchford, we have absolutely no interest in people feeling shame. Our purpose here is that you feel a a relief, a grace, that you feel the pain of shame being taken off you and that together, us with Jesus and with each other, in relationship, we work out how to bring that grace out. And I think it's really important because we're going through some really difficult topics. Lucas preached last week on thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, and there was some stuff that was taught there about sex and about marriage. And and the thing is, you know, we're real here, aren't we? There are people in this room who don't get it all right all the time. I know that we've got we've got single mums. We've got people in blended families. We've got people going through divorces or who who've been through those things. This is not a place of shame. This is a place of grace. And if you feel that you need more support in that, we have a pastoral team. Every congregation has a pastoral team who cares about you and who is willing to kind of walk with you through some of these journeys if you need and need a little bit more tender one-on-one. And we also have a ladies' group and a men's ministry as well uh, across across all our congregations. So do reach out to someone if you find any of this stuff hard. Please don't onboard it as something to beat yourself up with. That's not what we're here for. Okay, so that said, let's do the are you a good Christian test. Okay, ready? So the first question, there's only two questions. It's not a particularly hard test. Do you like to steal? 
And you can see on the screen here, I've got a picture of someone stealing an iPhone, popping it in their jacket. Put your hand up now if you like stealing things. Do you like stealing things? Great. We've got, oh, we've got one hand up. Ruth has put her hand up. Brilliant, she is. Uh, oh, she likes to steal chocolate off her husband. Okay, great. Apart from Ruth, and we appreciate your honesty, Ruth, we'll uh, pray for you. No one here has put their hand up. Generally, as a congregation, we're not pro-stealing, it would seem. So that's our, our second question. So put your hand up if you don't steal. If stealing is against your moral code and you try not to nick things. Okay, so we've got most of a room full of people with their hands up. And I suspect the hands that aren't up are probably people who can't be bothered to put their hands up. Uh, so yeah, as a congregation, we're agreed. We're not very pro-stealing. That's fantastic. So let's let's uh, let's have a look uh, at a few more examples. So what have I put on the screen here? Can anyone work out what this is? That is correct. This is the net. This is the Netflix password login screen. So you enter your part. You enter your username. You know your email address. You enter your password, and then let Netflix let you have access to all of their all of their films and all of their streaming TV. And we've all seen. Most of us have seen these, I'm sure, or you've seen the login screen for Disney Plus or for Amazon Prime or for whatever kind of South Korean or, or Chinese streaming services that you might use. Now, we all know, right, that, that there's rules with this stuff. When you pay money to Netflix, they give you a password and that is your access for you. But what you can do, what you can do is you can put someone else's username, someone else's password, maybe your friend or your, your brother or your sister who don't live in your house, who, who, who have their own account and you can have access to that. Well, unfortunately, the, uh, the Crown Prosecution Service came out this year clarifying that people could theoretically face prosecution for password sharing. In other words... From quite a real kind of moral and legal area, this is stealing. If you're using someone else's login, that's that's maybe not not actually okay. Let's have a look at another example. Can anyone work out what this is? So this is a this is a man running along with a clock. No, it's it's not stealing a clock. It, what it actually is is time theft. Okay, so this is the idea. Most of us have jobs where our work pay us an amount of money in order to come and sit in an office and do a job. And then at the end of the day, we go home and they pay us for those eight hours that we have come to work and that we have done the job. But of course, what you could do is, you know, your lunch break, you're allowed half an hour, but no one's really checking. You could have an extra hour. Or, you know, maybe you're working from home today and, well, doesn't a little nap on the sofa look like a good idea? And, you know, no one's going to find out. Or even, you know, maybe... Maybe you've run out of pens at home, but you see there's a whole box of pens here and no one's going to miss one or two of those. And there's there's seven different categories they have for types of ways that employees steal from their employers. And that is that is time theft. So, again, that's that's something we may not have considered, but that we could fall under that. And uh, finally, and, and Ruth has already hinted at this one for us. We have chocolate. OK, I've got chocolate here. Can anyone identify what kind of chocolate this is? Excellent. Easter eggs. OK, so who here is a parent? 
Okay, who, who's had who's had children under the age of I don't know under the age of ten in the last few years in their house? They quite often get Easter eggs, don't they? Lots of Easter eggs. Really, really more Easter eggs than it would be responsible to allow to allow a child to have. Really, really, what a good parent would do, you know, is is do something about that and. And certainly it can it can happen, can't it? Late at night, it's nine o'clock. You've got a cup of tea and you think, oh, you know what would be really good with our, my cup of tea now? It's a little bit of chocolate, but I don't have any chocolate. But you know what's in the cupboard? Just over there, there's some Easter eggs. And my three-year-old doesn't know how to count Easter eggs. We have... I just think we've all done it. I, I, I can't believe that none of us have done that, but maybe there are some people here. Um, according to a survey, uh, nine in 10, 88% of parents have admitted to stealing their children's Easter chocolate. Uh, and to me, that tells us that 12% of people are lying. I think, I think most of us will have done that. We will have taken our children's chocolate. So there we go. Three examples of stealing. And I'm going to ask that question again. Now we've widened it up and, th and there are other things out there. There's, you know, there's illegal music downloading or plagiarism or lots of different ways that we could potentially steal. So I just want you to pause a second and just think now, if you, especially if you put your hand up before. I just, I'm going to do it again in the room. Put your hand up if you never steal. And for those listening to the podcast of this, we had about 150 people in the room, maybe 120, and no one put their hand up. And we can laugh about that. We can laugh about that, that there are no hands up in the room. You know, oh, well, we all nick a bit of chocolate. But actually, we've all said that we have a moral code where we don't agree with stealing. And none of us can put our hands up to say we don't steal. And I'm not pointing blame. I'm not I'm not pointing fingers here at anyone because my hand's not up either. I what were those things there? You know, I I don't use someone else's password now, but I did use someone else my brother's Netflix password until, you know, a year ago. And yeah, they clarified the rules about sharing a year ago, but before that. I knew it wasn't okay and I was doing it and you know I don't I don't wholesale steal stationery from work but if I'm 10 minutes late to work do I always make sure I stay an extra 10 minutes late at the end do I ring the HR department and say please can you dock 10 minutes of pay from my next payroll and yeah I have nicked my my children's chocolate absolutely I have done that. And, and actually, I, I have a, a story of, of me and Pete Clark. Um, we, were, um, we, were, we were out uh, at Gravity, uh, you know, the trampoline place in town, uh, bouncing up and down. Actually, well, me and Pete weren't. Me and Pete were sat drinking coffee. But the thing with Gravity, it's a, a big trampoline place and you pay money to allow your children to go on the trampolines for an hour. It's quite expensive. So I think for, we had like, I think we had like four or five kids and it came to like, maybe like 60 quid, something like that. Like, so it was real money for that hour. And we were, me and Pete were sat there, you know, and we're both community pastors at Latchford. So we should 
you know, we we should be holding ourselves to a high standard. And we were talking about how I was going to do this thing about chocolate and net, Netflix passwords. And we were talking about stealing. And then our kids finished their hour. They finished their hour bouncing up and down. And they came over to us and they hadn't been told to come off. They just realised their time was over. And both me and Pete were like, oh, go on, go on for a bit longer. You know, go, go back on until you're sent off. But really, we both know that Gravity make their money. They exist as a business by selling time on trampoline per hour. And what we did is we, we got a little bit of extra time. You know, and it was only, I think it was only five minutes before they were told that their time was up. But I have been very challenged myself as I've prepared this preach. That there's this little streak of dishonesty in me. And, and as I stand here looking at a room full of people who all profess to think that, that stealing is wrong. But none of us can put up our hands and say we don't steal. It's a sobering moment. It's a it's a personal challenge. And what the Ten Commandments are about, I believe, what, what this series is doing is they're highlighting this passage in Romans 3. All have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us managed to hit the mark, whether or not it's, you know, adultery. You know, most of us aren't going out and having affairs, but... Are we are we looking at people with the wrong thought in our hearts when it comes to stealing? You know, we're not robbing banks, but are we falling short of the perfection of glory that God demonstrates to us? And I think the answer is yes, our hearts miss the mark. So lots of preachers talking on any subject, really, like to get up a dictionary definition. You know, the, the Oxford Dictionary said, defines stealing as... And I'm not going to bother with that because not one of you, when I said, do you agree with stealing or disagree with stealing? None of you went, I don't know what that is. You've been able to identify yourself in camps of stealing and not stealing without a definition. Because we know what it is. We know what taking things that don't belong to us is. You know, I've got a photo on the screen of someone nicking a purse out of a handbag. You don't need me to define it. So I think the real question is, why do we steal? What is our reason for that? Um, and I've got, a, I've got a photo on the screen of a, a chocolate bar with a bite out of it. Um, why do we steal? So I believe often it comes down to one of these three things. One, we want something. Two, we can get something. And three, we don't think we will get caught. Before the service, Someone saw this slide as I was getting them ready and someone saw this slide on the screen and they came to me and they said, you know that I think a lot of people steal because they're out of necessity, out of desperation. Uh, and we will we will come back to that point. And it's a valid point. I think it's important it was raised. So I thank you for sharing that. But I just want to focus on this. I want to focus on the Netflix password stealing, the, the taking your children's chocolate thing. We want something. We can get something. We don't think we will get caught. And it's that last point there. We don't think we will get caught that that I think is quite important there because, you know, who here would like a million pounds? I'd like a million pounds. So why don't you hack into a bank 
and get a million pounds or walk into a bank with a shotgun and claim a million pounds. It's because, well, I mean, obviously a big part of that is we think it probably won't work. <laughs> I don't know how to hack into a bank. And, uh, and I suspect that most, most banks don't have a million pounds behind the counter. But when it comes to the chocolate, I want some chocolate. I can get some chocolate. And I don't think I'll get caught. I don't think I'm going to prison for a million pound bank robbery. I'm doing things that seem quite small. And the question of why do we sin? Well, sorry, why do we steal? I've kind of spoiled the, the point there. The question of why do we steal, I think is very similar to why do we sin? You know, why do we, why do we get angry? You know, well, we, we want something. We want to feel a rage pulsing inside. We can get something. It's very easy to get, to get angry. And we don't think we'll get caught. We don't think we're going to prison for getting angry. We don't think often that any kind of really serious negative thing is going to happen there. The same with, the same with lust. The same with stealing the chocolate. So I want to look at the first example of theft in the Bible, which is also the first example of sin. Because I believe the first theft that we see is Adam and Eve who want something. They want the tree in the garden. They want the apple on the tree or the fruit on the tree. They know they can get it. They can reach out and get it. And they, they don't think that there's going to be consequences. They don't think they're going to get caught or they don't... I believe that they don't necessarily realise the true extent of the harm that they're going to receive. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And Adam and Eve and Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. She took the, she took the apple and she gave some to her husband and they and they ate it and the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves and the man and the wife they heard the sound of the lord god as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the lord god amongst the trees of the garden and the lord god called to the man where are you that's from genesis 2 and 3 and i'd like to look at that one of those first bits there he's he, the Lord God says, don't do this. Don't, you can do anything you want, but don't eat from here. And Adam and, his, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And I like that. It, it really struck me because I, I wanted to have that talk about shame at the beginning, just to make it clear we're not a place of shame here. And right here at the beginning, you've got Adam and his wife and naked and they feel no shame. It's, it's one of the only times... We often talk about shame as, as being ashamed, being a thing that we have. We talk about people suffering from shame. I think it's very rare that we talk about the joy of, of not having shame, of that they were just in this place that was completely free from shame. And as soon as they eat the apple, as soon as they steal the thing that they told they weren't allowed, that shame lands on them. They realise they're naked. They make, they make clothes for themselves. And they find themselves distant from God. And that idea of stealing from God really, really fits in to this, into the, the idea of theft that we do. Because it can be really easy to say, well, you know, Netflix are a massive corporation. I'm, I'm, I'm Robin Hood. I'm, I'm doing a good thing taking this thing. But I 
when I talked about doing this preach, uh, I, I ran through some of the things I was going to do um, in my life group. And I have Richard and Fiona Avery in my life group, who are both lawyers. Uh, and lawyers are very often very precise. Uh, and Richard Avery, when we talked about the chocolate thing, the, the stealing chocolate from your children, he said, well, technically, children can't hold property. And what he means by that is, you know, in a legal sense, you know, ch- technically children aren't responsible enough to own, you know, you, if you if a child owns a house, you know, if they're given one by an inheritance or something, they, they can't technically actually control that house until they're 18. You know, they have guardians who look after their property. And so the argument that Richard was making was, you know, I, I actually I, I'm in charge of the chocolate um, for my children. And so I'm not really stealing from them. And it, I don't think his argument's fair, as in he has nicked their children, he has nicked their chocolate. But even if we ignore that, there's a deeper point here, which is that children can't hold property. But you see, we are the children of God. Let me read you this from 1 Chronicles. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as, as head above all. Both riches and honour come from you, and you rule over all. And so actually, if I, if I, you know, steal someone's hat, if I steal Howard's hat, well, he only has that hat because the Lord has given it to him. And so when I'm taking that hat from him, but in a very real sense... I am I am taking from God. You know, when I steal the children's chocolate, I'm stealing from God because I I'm a child and I can't hold property. Everything I have, everything I am is unto the Lord. And there are times in our life where we can't have everything we want. You know, Maybe there are times when you can't have a Netflix user account because you just don't have enough money. Um, Proverbs 16 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. It's better to have have little but, but do it right than, than to take the things you want but that God hasn't given to you. And I've got, I've got an example on the screen um, which fits into that point that someone raised about that the desperation and the need that some people have. And this is a this is a man walking across a dry riverbed. So there are there are two billion people in the earth who don't have access to clean water. On a on a daily basis, don't have access to clean water. And there are one billion people who experience extreme water deprivation. For periods of the year where they they may have to walk for hours per day to get just just to get unclean water and after after it was raised with me the idea of you know people don't just steal because they want something they steal because they need it i went and had a chat with godwin and godwin's given me permission to to share this with you all and godwin's had a had some challenges with visas and things this year which have have led to a period of unemployment for him, which isn't usual for him. And, and unfortunately, it's not really his fault. It's related to visas, you know, that he hasn't really got a solution to it. And so through no fault of his own, he has found himself with less money. And maybe for the first time in a situation of thinking, 
you know, I, I, I'd like that. I, I almost, I need that. I, I don't know where the grocery bill is necessarily coming from. And I asked Godwin, you know, very frankly, have you considered stealing from supermarkets? You know, because in this photo we have here, none of us would be very upset if this if this man who's walking across a dry riverbed with some buckets. Well, if that if that lake behind him belongs to a rich corporation, if it belongs to Netflix or Amazon, none of us are going to be crying at night if he's stealing their water. It seems reasonable that he's taking it. And so I asked Godwin about it and Godwin said, well, actually, I, ha I have considered this. I have thought about this. I thought because of my new circumstances and it has brought it to life in a new way. And he looked at uh, and I don't have the, the full verse in front of me, but he looked at Proverbs 6, verse 30, I believe it was, where it talks about it says that no one will despise a hungry man for stealing food. It, it actually sort of makes an allowance almost. It says it is understandable that there will be circumstances that you may face where theft is in front of you. But then what it says, it says, however, you will still need to repay sevenfold what you have taken. So it, what it does, which I think find really interesting, is the Bible actually kind of clarifies and says, you know, there is a sort of an understanding, a grace about this, but it doesn't undo the basic justice that stealing is wrong. And I think the challenge for us as, as individuals in this church is that there shouldn't be anyone in desperate need in this church. And we need to become a congregation that is able to ask for that help and is able to, with no judgment, give that help. And I'm I'm proud of our I'm proud of our our church, both Life Church Warrington and, and us here in Latchford as a congregation, because I know that we meet needs. I know that we've paid fuel bills. I know that we've helped with help with with energy problems that people have had when the, all the bills went up last year. We bought people petrol. We help as a wider church. We help run the grocery. We've got the pantry, buying a house to to help help serve people who are homeless. We do meet needs here. I, I was honoured. I'm honoured to be part of supporting our Iranian brothers, many of whom have been moved to Manchester. And they said, well, but we want to come to church because you're our family. And so so people gave money and people drive each week to Manchester to bring our brothers in. And, and it it fills me with well, it fills me with emotions and joy and and love. And, and I'm I'm proud of us as a congregation for doing that. Because we do need to meet needs, but also we need to not steal. The language that Jesus uses to, to describe Satan and the works of the enemy are that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. One of the ways I've been challenged as I prepared for this preach is that I stole from my children. I stole their chocolate and in many ways it didn't matter. In many ways, chocolate is bad for them and they had too much chocolate and all of that. But my daughter became very used to saying, Daddy, have you stolen some of my chocolate? You know, I, I remember I had a, a cream egg one and half of it's gone. Did you steal it? And 
it stops being a laughing matter. And I realised I had an opportunity to show integrity to my children and I didn't demonstrate it. I caused my children to cry with my actions and I don't want to do that. I, 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 don't, I don't want to be nicking little bits from work. I don't want to open the door to stealing where the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. It starts with that smallness. It, it's like it's like Lucas shared last week. Very few people set out saying, I'm going to have an affair today. But what they do is they open the door a little bit. They say, oh, I'm just going to linger for coffee with this person of the opposite sex who, yeah, I find attractive, but nothing can happen from that. And then I'm going to work late from them. And then maybe I'll go on a business trip. And they're, they're there. You, the thief comes and comes in his cunning the enemy comes and steals things first, steals a little bit of our heart so that we become less upset about, well, it's just a Netflix password. So that then when the next sin comes, it, it doesn't look so big in comparison. And that's not what Jesus wants from us. He wants, he comes that we will have life and have it abundantly. And I want us to avoid that snowball effect. I've got a a snowball on the screen, you know, the idea of just like a little little ball starts at the top of the hill. And as it comes down the hill, it, it picks up more and more snow until it, it becomes an avalanche taking down whole mountains. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to destroy. But I believe in exactly the same way that following Jesus, we can see the same snowball effect, but of love and of life. That by not stealing the chocolate, I teach my children principles and values and they have trust there's honor and i can i i know that i'm bringing more life into theirs and my own life we're nearly done here i've got a couple a few little bits more to share um all have fallen short of the glory of god i said that at the beginning from romans 3 all have fallen short of the glory of god but it's it's from a it's from a slightly longer passage We've fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So it all comes back to grace. It comes back to the fact that through God's grace, we are not thieves. Thieves. We don't steal. You can put your hand up and say, I don't steal. Because if we repent, our sins are taken away. We are justified. We're made just. That thing that was wrong is made right. But it's not just about that, is it? It's not just about saying sorry once and then being fine and then carrying on sinning. As well as being justified, as being made right, we also want to become sanctified. We want to start looking more like Jesus. We want our decisions, our lifestyle to begin to reflect the change in our heart and in the, the change in our in, the, in our justice. We want our lives to reflect the fact that grace has come on us. And Ephesians 4 says this, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And just as Zacchaeus, the, the tax collector who followed Jesus, when he came to faith, he gave four times what he had stolen. You know, when we read that verse in Proverbs, you will pay back seven times. When we talk about stealing, well, the opposite of stealing is, isn't just not stealing, is it? It's giving. 
And I believe as our hearts are transformed that we start to become a a body and a people who aren't just not stealing, but we're giving, we're meeting, we have something to share with those in need. Okay, so I'm I'm proud of us, church, okay, for, for what we achieve as a corporate body. But my challenge here today is that we is that we stop and that we that we we draw a line in the sand and then that we continue to start doing differently. And I want to share one one short story from my life and then and then I will finish in prayer for us all. And this this story does talk about narcotics. It talks about drugs. So if if that's if that might upset you or if that's triggering for you for you, please feel free to leave or stop listening to this bit. When I was 17, before I was a Christian, I used to I used to smoke a lot of cannabis. So I used to do a lot of drugs uh, every day, really every day I would I would go to my mum's purse and I would steal. Um, I would steal often sort of about 20 pounds um, or maybe not every day, but but I would often steal. Um, and I would I would probably be using drugs very nearly every day. I would steal that money and I would go to the drug dealer and I would buy drugs. Um, and unfortunately, that justification I've talked about where we where we say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And we are transformed in a, in a spiritual and heavenly way. We are transformed at that point. But our bodies can take some time to catch up. So the day I became a Christian, I actually went home, met up with the guy that I got high with regularly and and smoked drugs with him and told him about the amazing thing that had happened in my life that day. I, I became a Christian today, I said, as I as I had a, a puff on a spliff. And thankfully, that work of sanctification, of of change in my life did begin to happen quite quickly. And I, I, I didn't continue to go to church and, and smoke drugs all the time, but it wasn't instant. And I had it was a journey and it took about it took about three months to really to for my habits to really fully start to change and even after that it was a it was a temptation it was a burden and i had a couple of incidences and i, I there was one incident about 9 months after i became a christian i had a rough week church had just been tough and i i drove home and on my way home i went and visited a dealer and i gave them some money and i bought some drugs and uh, on the screen now i've got a picture of of the the cricket pitch near my house in my house back in 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 Essex where my family are from and you can see a little bench here um and I'll, I'll always remember this place because I went and sat at this bench late at night probably probably 10 11 at night rolling up and, and smoking drugs and I sat there and I sat there and I just thought lord I'm I'm so unsatisfied with my response to this situation I'm so upset that I'm here smoking drugs again. I've realised actually, no, I don't want to do this. And there's a thing about about stopping something that is very easy to do if it's not really a choice. So most of the time it is not difficult for me to not steal chocolate from my children because most of the time they don't have any chocolate in the cupboard. You know, on those times, well, I can't really give myself a bonus point for not being a thief when there hasn't been the opportunity. When I, I talked about we want something, we can get something. Well, if we can't get it, you know, if none of us think we know how to rob a bank without getting away with it, well, we're, we're not doing it, are we? But we don't necessarily get points or, or 
we're not reflecting a big change in our character if just we don't have the opportunity. And every other time I'd stopped drugs, I'd said, oh, I'm not never doing that again. It had always been after I had smoked all of the drugs that were available and that I had nothing left, you know? Like, diet starts tomorrow, you know? Like, that's, that's, what, my, that's what my thing had been. But this, this time, sat here on this bench at the cricket pitch, I sat there with, with probably 10 pounds worth of drugs left. And I just said, no, I am, I am done. And I, I took those drugs. I took, I think what I was halfway through smoking. I took them and I just threw them away into a bush. And I, and I threw them in a way that just meant I, I'd never be able to find it. I'd never be able to hunt through and find the, the, the drugs, if I, even if I wanted to. And from that day to this, I've never smoked drugs again. Um, I, I, I would say I've basically never really been tempted to smoke drugs either. And, and I, I'm often in environments now where drugs are, are prevalent. So the punk scene often has people smoking weed and, you know, on our estate, we have people smoking drugs. But something changed in my heart. And, and I, I'm asking you today, just as we're going to close in prayer, but I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, has something changed in your heart today? Is there something about this? where you want to say, actually, you know what? I'm someone who has been stealing. And no offence to you all, and no shame here, but you're all thieves. No one put your hand up. No one felt able to say that, you know? And there's grace. You can be forgiven of that. That is fine. But my question to you today is, do you want to be a thief no longer? I'll read that Ephesians passage for us again, and I shall pray for us. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who've been here, who heard this message in church and who've listened on this podcast. I pray, Lord, help us to follow in your footsteps. Help us to be sanctified and to be changed and to be transformed into your likeness, Lord. I pray that we see life, abundant life, and I pray that the thief has no more opportunity in our lives to steal and kill and destroy. I pray for anyone who realises today they are caught up in something, that, that they take that bundle of what is left and they just throw it away into the trees and they say, Lord, change me. Help me to no longer desire this. Help me to not be tempted by this any longer. And help me to reach out through grace and relationship to the brothers and sisters around me in my congregation and in my life to support me as I walk in your light. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.